Hello. So we, um, at least some up, we uh, recorded an episode that took us three hours uh, to to make, um, and that's because we were talking about the big trades that happened last week, the big resignings that happened this week, and we also talked about the draft. We also did a little bit of the f- uh, a free agent preview at the end there. So what I decided to do, and or I guess what we decided to do is that we're going to give you the first half, which is just the trades and the re-signings today. And then tomorrow, you're going to get what we said about the draft and a little bit of a free agent frenzy preview uh, for Tuesday. Um, Yeah, hope you enjoy. Um, Thanks. Expecting an unpredictable offseason, and boy, we were greeted with one heck of the bang. Uh, a few hours before the draft, during the NHL draft, we got a series of trades to break down, including a lot of what the heck moves from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, that's going to be dissected right off the hop. We also got uh, a couple of key re signings, including a what the heck signing uh, from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Meantime, the 2022 NHL Draft. Uh, What the heck happened in the top four? We'll talk about that as well as the winners and losers. And we also dissect the teams you should watch out for ahead of NHL Free Agent Frenzy this coming Wednesday. Episode 328 of the Lace Them Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Hey, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. I want to preface this. The Ottawa Senators have made a blockbuster trade, yep. and it's the All-Star coming to Ottawa this time. Yeah, I know. It's it, it's it's interesting because we've done this show for so long that, uh, you know, we've seen the demise of the Ottawa Senators, we see them in the playoffs um, as well, and now it's like, and we see them make, like, a terrible trade, then we see them make it, like, which ended up not being so bad, I'm talking about the Eric Carlson one, and then they, we see them make a terrible trade and Mark Stone and just have a complete teardown, and now we're seeing them uh, maybe coming back to life and, and having some relevancy um, in the hockey world, uh, that is because the Ottawa Senators uh, traded for Alex DeBrincat, um, and the trade is um, the Chicago Blackhawks get a 2022 first round pick, a 2022 second round pick, and a 2024 third round pick. That's right. There's no players involved, none pro, none, no prospects for a guy. Um, who's reached the 40-goal mark twice in his young career. He's only 25 years old. Um, it's incredible that they were uh, that like the return was so little. Um, what was interesting, too, and I'll, I'll let you speak more because I know that you have a lot to say about this because it's your team, but one, um, we had talked about this a little bit before because there was speculation that... Um, the Blackhawks were trying to get the fifth overall pick from Philadelphia, um, and Philadelphia turned it down. 
and uh, that kind of ensued an uh, email argument uh, debate between me and Steve because he was thinking that like why would Chicago do this at all and um, because like if you're going to rebuild why would you trade a 25 year old like the the right thing to do is to trade Kane and Taves and I was thinking like yeah that's true um, but uh, but I was thinking like well you know, I would assume that it's not just the fifth overall pick. Like, I would assume there's, like, players involved or prospects involved or things like that. And also not to mention the fact that, like, by, like you know, DeBrincat has an iffy uh, contract. I think he has one more year left. Um, and by the, the Blackhawks are going to be bad this year. They're going to be bad next year. They're going to be bad probably in three years and in four years and maybe in five years. So by the time that the Blackhawks are back to relevancy again, DeBrincat's not going to be like, you know, you're, you're wasting his prime years. So you might as well trade him um, and get what you can. Um, and it's like, you know, it, ideally you do want to trade Patrick Kane and you do want to trade Jonathan Taze. We'll get into Kirby Dak in a second and Dylan Strom and Kubalik in a second. But, um... Having said that, uh, DeBrincat has uh, has 160 goals, 307 points in 368 career games. Um, yeah, there are some question marks on his uh, defensive play, and yeah, he may be helped a little bit by the fact that Patrick Kane is his line mate. Um, and it's like you know we, we shouldn't necessarily expect him to get be a 40 goal guy. Um, in Ottawa, not to knock anyone in Ottawa or anything like that. But at the same time, like, you could at least get, like, someone out of Ottawa's system. Um, and, uh, like, yeah, and picks, like, who knows what... Uh, Kevin Korczynski, he might actually be a pretty a decent player um, in the future. Um, whoever they got in the second... I think the second round pick was someone as well, but... Like, even if Korchensky is who they think he is, he's not going to be as valuable as Alex Debrinkat was and will be. Um, so it's just, uh, like, the Chicago Blackhawks should have done a lot more, um, and that's just, yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous that they were able to, um, like, like that, that was the return. It's just, um, it's insane to me. I spent a better part of two hours cackling after I saw this yeah. on Cap Friendly because I actually couldn't believe that's all Ottawa gave up. Right, right, right. <laughs> they gave up three magic beans for a two-time vertical yeah. score. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for the Hawk fans because they got absolutely wrecked in this deal and they should have every right to be pissed off at ownership for this. Um... And I'll get into the full vent of why I hate everything about what the Chicago Blackhawks have done. Because, wait, there's more. They did a lot more than just this. This yep. is just a start. Right. But before I get to that, I want to talk about quickly the Eric Carlson trade. Because I would like to remind people what the Ottawa Senators got for Eric Carlson. And let's remember, the return for Eric Carlson was absolutely scrutinized. Yep. 
amongst the Sens fan base in the Ottawa media, they didn't think they got enough for Eric Carlson. But let's just remember what Eric Carlson was at the time. This is a guy around 27, 28 years old, entering the final year of his contract. And if he didn't really like what Ottawa was offering, they could potentially lose him for nothing. He goes to free agency, he walks, he's gone, and the Sens get no value for Carlson. Alex Dabrinkit is 24, going to be 25 in December, Brett. So beyond this year, yep. yes, the qualifying offer after this contract is going to be $9 million. That's a seed price for Chicago to pay, no doubt, if they kept him. Yep. But even then, the Sens have the cap space to give Dabrinkit $7, $8, 9000000 million, whatever he asked for. And not only that, they have his NHL rights for two more seasons after this one which is totally different than Eric Carlson again he could have walked for nothing this is the return the Ottawa Senators got for Eric Carlson um, in September of 2018 so this is nearly a full year before he he's eligible to hit the open market and it should be remembered when Eric Carlson signed the contract extension with San Jose. That was a few weeks before he was expected to hit the open market because also uh, Joe Pavelski was the UFA. So the debate was, okay, can we afford to keep both? Yada, yada, yada. So the Sharks didn't give Eric Carlson the contract extension for months after this deal was made. But here's the deal, the the return that Ottawa got. They got Dylan DeMello, a pretty solid depth defenseman who was eventually sold for futures to the Winnipeg Jets. They got Chris Tierney. At the time, maybe top six forward, at worst, bottom six step down the middle. Rudolph Spolsters, decent prospect, had some good years in Belleville, uh, unfortunately was waived and went back to the Sharks. But while he was here, um, he, he got some NHL reps, didn't really work out. But um, at the time, he was considered a, a decent prospect. That could be something. They got the signing rights to Josh Norris, a former first-round pick who is now a 30-goal scorer and the top-line center for the Ottawa Senators. They got a first-round pick that turned into third overall because the Sharks started to suck conveniently, and that turned into Tim Stutzla, a future number one center at worst, a number two center for the Ottawa Senators. They got a second-round pick, which they kept. They got a second-round pick, which they traded away. And they got a conditional first-round pick. The conditions weren't met. That didn't turn into anything. But at the time, potentially, they get another first-round pick out of that. That was for a guy, 27, 28 years old, heading into free agency. That was the return for Eric Carlson. And Ottawa gave up three magic beans. Like you said, Brett, no roster players, no prospects, three magic beans, including the seventh overall pick that it was expected Ottawa was going to trade anyway. In fact, they might have traded it along with Matt Murray to Buffalo in a deal that Murray nixed because he didn't want to go to Buffalo. So thank you for Matt Murray for allowing us to get Alex to bring it. We appreciate you. If that's the last save you make for the Ottawa Senators, absolutely won't forget it. Huge. Now, I will say Chicago tried to get some prospects, but Ottawa stayed firm. They're... They kept mentioning prospects that they liked in Ottawa's system, and Dorian was very hesitant to to give up on prospects, so they decided to go the futures route. You know what Dorian didn't do when he was trading away Eric Carlson, when he was trading away Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne? He didn't settle. 
He waited for the right deal and he, at the time, and he took it. He waited for the right deal for Eric Carlson. There were suitors in Dallas and Tampa Bay, potentially. And obviously, Dallas wouldn't give Ottawa Miro Heiskin in, and uh, Tampa wouldn't give Ottawa any of its star players because they were trying to win the Stanley Cup back then. But Dorian got what he felt was the best trade available. The Chicago Blackhawks didn't get the best trade available for Alex Dabrinkit. And potentially, at minimum, they could have gotten the level of an Eric Carlson return for a guy with a lot more club control, a guy who's a proven 40-goal scorer at the age of 24, and like you said, right, he did it twice. He helps out the power play for whoever he plays for. He's a top six forward easily. He's a guy that competes. He's a guy that wants to win. And despite his size, he's a very good NHL player. How he doesn't fetch more than three magic beans is absolutely astonishing. And you know it's a bad trade when everyone realizes immediately, wow, that's a bad trade. They should have gotten a lot more for it. Right. And I'm, I'm just thinking, the Chicago Blackhawks had the entire playoffs to think about, okay, potentially, if we pulled off this Alex Dabrinka trade, what are we going to get? Yep. And this is the best they could do? It, it just seems rushed. It seems like... It, it seems like Chicago would just take anything to get Dabrinka's contract off his hands. And I'm just thinking, are the Hawks losing money? Is this a directive from the owner to the GM? It's just like, hey, I need X amount million of dollars cleared off the cap space by X day. Get whatever futures you can. Thanks. And th- and that's it. Like, I don't care if Dabrinka's cap hit on his qualifying offer is $9 million. He's a two-time 40-goal scorer and worth that $9 million. How you don't even get, like, why you even trade him is beyond me, first of all. But the fact that this is what you trade him for, it's not enough for Chicago. And as a Sens fan, I'll happily take advantage of Chicago's stupidity. But this is an awful, awful return for Chicago. And even if those players materialize into into good NHL talent, uh, Korchinski had a solid season the WHL uh, 60 plus points decent that's very good for a defenseman uh, Paul Ludwinski could be a pretty good uh, pick as well but the only other value you get is a third round pick in two years yep. like it's an absolute fleecing Dorian yep. pulled off an absolute fleecing maybe it's karma for this advantage ad blunder I don't know <laughs> but um, it's clear who instantly gets better here and it's yep. clear which team has a lot of questions to answer. And for once, it's not the sense. Right, right. Well, well, we'll talk about the Chicago Blackhawks as a whole once we get over to all their other moves that they just made. But yeah, no, that is a good consensus. I will say, because while, while, while you were ranting here, I was just taking a look at what Cap Friendly has as Ottawa's depth chart, because I, I made that mark of like, okay, you could make a case that maybe to bring Cat... Um, has been benefiting from having Patrick Kane on his line. And yeah, maybe there is some truth to that. But at the same time, um, as you were mentioning the Eric Carlson trade, um, his centers will either be Josh Norris, uh, uh, a a player that they got off of Eric Carlson, and Tim Stutzla. 
uh, another player that they got Apparently, off of Corey said uh, TJ's going to try and with yeah. to start off, and they'll go right. from there. Well, but, yeah, that's the other thing, too, is like... the can also uh, play both sides of the wing, by the Right, way. right, yeah, no, I was about to say, because that's the other thing, too, is that, like, right now, Cap Friendly has... A Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris, and Batherson as the first line, and then on the second line you have Debrincat, Stutzla, and Connor Brown. But like, you can make a case that Debrincat's better than either Batherson and Kachuk are, and that's not a knock on Kachuk or Batherson. So it's like you could theoretically have Debrincat on the first line um, and and just move one of those two down. Um, but uh, yeah, either way, it's just like it's a like um yeah it's kind of crazy that uh, they were able to do this i think it's more just like i mean i i i understand it was shocking and i was kind of defending them before they traded him on like why you would do that because it's like you know like you know just the idea that you're you're not going to be good when um during to bring prime and especially when he's an rfa this coming year so they're just worried about signing him and all that stuff but I didn't expect them to, like, I think it's just more, like, just the return they had. Like, I had expected them to, like, get some prospects or just get something out of it. Like, yeah, it, it, I, I wasn't, like, you know, maybe it would be cool if they got Eric Brandstrom, but, like, that's that's probably not going to happen. Um, but, like, you know, just to just to trade them, it's, it seems kind of crazy. Which takes me to the second point where... Uh, if you remember last year, like, the whole reason why the Blackhawks are this desperate is because they, uh, traded, um, Adam Bockfist for, and, uh, their, their first round pick last year and their first round pick next year, um... That first round pick, by the way, was yeah. one pick higher yeah, than what they right. took. Yeah, yeah, that's true, Kevin Korczynski, by yeah. the way. Right, right, right. And but just to get Seth Jones, and then they sign him immediately to an eight-year, uh, nine-point-five million um, extension. Um, yeah, which kicks in this year. By the way, this, yeah. it hasn't officially begun. Exactly. So I mean, obviously, like I, I, I would assume, and you know, it's different general managers, so you can't really blame them for that. And that was like that was that was ridiculed too for the exact opposite reason, um, where yeah. they were paying too much. Um, so, so yeah, it's just, like, a strange, like, you know, so, like, if, if that whole trade that they got for, uh, Seth Jones didn't happen, you know, they would be fine, and they wouldn't have made this, like, huge little thing where it's like, okay, we suck this year, we're gonna suck again this next year, um, let's just embrace this tank and try to, like, figure out how to get... Kane and Taze to to move on from us. Um, so yeah, like, those yeah. are the guys to get futures right. for, not right. the guys that are part of the present yeah. and the future. But but here's the thing, and I I know like yeah, obviously like ideally that is how you do a rebuild is you get the like the veteran guys who have some value. Like Patrick Kane's gonna get something, and Jonathan Taze will. But the thing is, is that well, first off, they both make ten point five million. Uh, and they both also have a no movement clause. And um, Jonathan Taze in the past has said that, like, he, you know, he, when they uh, traded, like, Brandon Hagel in the past, when they uh, yeah. traded a, a bunch of other guys in the past, like, Taze has publicly said that he doesn't understand why the Blackhawks are doing this. Um, he's just, like, he publicly <laughs> announces, like, 
he doesn't like the rebuild and things like that. So, um, and I think like uh, Patrick Kane's agent uh, said that Patrick Kane is talking with his agent and they're going to decide in the next couple of days on what, what to do and what their future is about. Um, but, uh, so it seems like it's working, but like, yeah, it, like, uh, obviously I think what they should have be able to do is like, this is just a very, 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 very passive aggressive way of telling your, your two star players like, Hey, um, we don't want you here. Um, and, and all that stuff. And, you know, and, and the, I guess, I mean, well, I'll, I guess maybe we should talk about the other moves that they made before we get into the big, big picture of things. The one thing that we'll say before we go to that, Brett, just quickly, yeah. by the way, it should be mentioned, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane have similar contracts in the final yeah. year where they both get $4 million signing bonuses and their base salary is $2.9 million. Right. So if they go by salary for this year, that helps in the return. It doesn't help the fact that both players control where they go, but financially they can retain salary and it would also help out, um, you know, for a cup contender. Right, right. Um, but but now but now with those no move clauses, yeah. potentially you only have a set amount of suitors, and then you're just like, okay, right. well now we need to now we're forced to get as much return as we can. But you have a limited of the guy. The guy you just traded away, you barely got anything. Right. So in order to like really fuel this youth movement, you need to hit home runs on Kane and Taves. It might be easier with Kane, but Jonathan Taves, a shell of what he was, yeah. that's next to impossible. Well, You're unless, just at that point hoping you can get whatever you can for Jonathan Davis. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I would imagine you're trying to, and you're, you're probably going to retain salary anyways on these last year anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, you would think though that like because the Blackhawks are being laughed at and ridiculed right now that you would think that they would get like more than just picks when they do eventually trade these guys. Uh, but yeah, no, that is a good point too. Cause like, even when they do remove their no movement clause, there's only like a limited amount of teams that they're going to want to go to. Yeah. Um, so, so it's like that just limits who you're, who you're getting, but you could get like prospects, you could get picks. Um, but yeah, just, just getting a bunch of picks is not going to do it. Um, like imagine if they like, I, I'm envisioning it this and it's it's now like very possible just because that's what happened with uh Cat. Uh but like imagine if they trade Patrick Kane and all they get is just like a first round pick. Like <laughs> like 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 yeah, I'll I'll do that. Yeah. Like sign me up for that. And I I don't even really like Patrick Kane, but like like as a person, but like yeah, fuck it. I'll I'll, I'll get Patrick yeah, Kane. Like, honestly, get I don't care if you trade him to a division rival, what? get whatever you can. Because yeah. Patrick Kane, not only is Patrick Kane yep. um not only is Patrick Kane 33, 34 years of age, he's playing some of his best hockey yeah, in his thirties. He's, really he's got yep. a lot of value to him. Yep. No, he's very good. Um okay, so the, uh, so I guess uh, the way to explain this, the Kirby Dak trade, is I have to explain the, the first one because uh, Montreal uh, traded Alex Romanoff um, in a 2022 fourth round pick to get the 13th overall pick in the first round. Um, and then they promptly traded um, that pick to Chicago for uh, Kirby Dak. Uh, they also uh, traded their third round pick um, in the draft as well. 
Um, this one isn't as bad, especially since the guy that the Blackhawks did draft is uh, Frank Nazar, who actually might be a pretty good uh, player as well. So it's like they they may have actually hit on that that front. Um, but the thing with Kirby Doc and you know, I mean, I guess it's all hindsight bias and things like that. But Kirby Doc went third overall in the uh, 2019 NHL draft. Uh, that was the same draft that Mort Sider was uh, drafted in. Trevor Zegers was drafted in. Cole Caulfield was drafted in. Spencer Knight was drafted in. Um, there's a few other guys that I'm I'm probably blanking on, but uh, they missed out on a lot. And to be fair, like Kirby Doc did have a good year in the WHL. Who knew what Mort Sider was going to be, or even what Trevor Zegers was going to be? So you can you know it's all like hindsight bias and stuff like that. Matthew Boldy is also in here as I'm looking here. Um, Alex Newhook. Uh, Cam York as well. Anyways, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that there. But, uh, yeah, Kirby Doc hasn't been as good as we thought he would be. Um, he has, uh, he had 59 points in 152 games. Um, there was a report somewhere, I forget who, but I guess it ended up being true that they were, um, like it was the day of the draft that uh, Kirby Doc was on the block, but they would only trade him if uh, it was 15th overall, um, if it was like a top 15 pick. And I had thought that like, okay, Kirby Doc, yeah, he has potential. He's still only 21 years old. He was decent. Former third overall pick. Yeah, yeah. And they're willing to move it for yeah. a top 15. Yeah, and, and like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean like, but like, to be fair, it's like, you know, he didn't really have a great year this past season and, uh, you know, and he, and to be fair, he was also like injured for a lot of the year last year too, so that probably held him back about as well. But but even still, it's just like like yeah, you're you're gonna get like like you know, I I think a lot of people are down on Kirby Doc this year, and and maybe he does make it in Montreal, but like yeah, just just trading him for a couple of picks. Um, as well, it seems a little bit strange. Uh, this one, though, it's like it's less as shocking and less maddening uh, because it's like Kirby Doc hasn't shown what he's truly capable, and we're not sure if we're actually going to see it because he might actually be a bust eventually. Uh, so, um, so yeah, just like getting rid of him for anything is, is kind of nice. And, and getting someone back like Frank Nazar, who actually might be pretty good um, in a few years, um, it's not like a bad trade for sure. But at the same thing, it, I, I guess it goes back to what we were saying before with Debrincat. You're going to rebuild. That's fine. Makes sense. Um, in fact, uh, the uh, why am I blanking on the GM's... Uh, Kyle Davidson. Kyle Davidson, yeah. Uh, Davidson did mention publicly that they're going to do a, a five-year rebuild, and that is honestly what they should be doing. We've, we've been thinking about this, you know, like, you know, you've been on the Pat, Trey Patrick Kane train for the last couple of years, it feels like. So I, I totally get it. Uh, but except I didn't say trade everyone else before you do that. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess that goes to what uh, our next thing too is that there's a report or 
uh, for Mark Lazarus, and I guess this is what they're going to do. Both uh, Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubelik, who are both RFAs this year, they're not getting qualified offers, which means that they're not going to. They're going to be UFAs um, on Wednesday uh, when free agency opens. Um, so that just means that they're going to get nothing for for either one of them. Um, and you know, Kubelik didn't ha- had an off year this year. He had a pretty good. Uh, rookie year, so so that was nice. But and then Dylan Strom actually had a, a a really good year. The only thing is, is that like if they've already decided to not qualify him, either one, it's just like so. It's like at least you got like yeah, you can you can be critical of DeBrincat and Kirby Doc, uh, those two trades, uh, for just getting picks back. But like for these two, it's like you could have just traded these guys on the deadline if this is how you really felt about them it's just like yeah, you're, you're, not you're not even you're not even getting a pick right so yeah. so that part i don't really understand as well but yeah as as you're saying so it's like i i think what the blackhawks are doing is is that they're just they they don't care like that like they probably i mean obviously they know that like they could have gotten more for debrinkat and even kirby doc but I, I think what they're saying is it's like just because the whole their whole reputation now has been diminished entirely uh, because of this Kyle Beach situation like it's just like they need a whole like culture change even though Dylan Strom, Kubelik, uh, Debrinkat, and Doc weren't even on the team they weren't even drafted back then um, they weren't even in the NHL um, back then they just need to like you know, tear the whole thing down and, uh, and then they'll build it back up and, and, you know, and that can work. It sucks for the fans, but I totally get it from that standpoint. Um, but as you're saying, it's just like, they're kind of put in a different situation because Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze have a no movement clause. And that would be like the thing that you want to do. Um, so it's just like, I don't get it. Um, Actually, I, I should mention that Davidson was asked about Kane and Taze. He's, uh, he said that in an interview that, um, that he feels that uh, Kane and Taze could be great mentors and they have this new role, but he totally understands if they want to go. Uh, they haven't mentioned it yet, but like, you know, it, it might take some time before uh, they say it, but he, he wants to work with them to uh, get to, like, to make them more into like, um, mentor types instead of like their their bet their star players, um, and that's really just code for like, hey, uh, this is hint hint nudge nudge, uh, we want you to go. <laughs> um, so, um, but uh, so so I guess that that will be the interesting thing just to just to see how that plays out. But it's like this is a very passive aggressive move. To uh, to try to get Kane and Taze going, and I was actually just thinking about this too when I heard this Strom and Kubalik news. That, like, if uh, if they do manage to trade Kane and Taze in this off season, that means that their entire top six is completely gone <laughs> this off season. And um, yeah, and I think you mentioned that when I was uh, saying this whole thing of like, like who are Kane and Taze going to mentor? It's like. They can't really mentor uh, Korchinski or Frank Nazar. They're not even in the league right now. 
Um, <laughs> they're not even expected to be in the league. It's like, who's on their team that's that needs mentoring? And it, in a way, like, you know, I guess they did mentor Dak and Debrinkat and Kubalik and, uh, and Strom. Uh, so it's like they've already done that stuff in, in a way. They've, they've already had that kind of role. But it's just... Uh, it is kind of funny when you think about it. It's just like, who are they mentoring now when the the young guys are no longer on the team? <laughs> the closest thing to full belly that you're going to get with Patrick Kane is a full season of Patrick Kane, not a half season of Patrick Kane. The same goes for Jonathan Tays. They need to be moved this offseason, largely because they don't need any midseason drama. The Sens know a lot about that. Fortunately, yeah. they're past that. Uh, and uh, word of advice uh, to Chicago: Don't do that. Well, uh, wait. Can I? Can I that was much worse than Ottawa's. So. True, true. Although, can I push back on that? Because you just said like about twenty minutes ago how the Sens like they did have this off-season drama, but Dorian was patient and waited for the right yep. trade to happen. So it's like, yeah, it may end up happening that the right trade will happen if they stay patient. Uh, like it may happen in season uh, and, and all that stuff and, and they don't necessarily have to trade them in the off season right now I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily agree with what you just said true I, I just feel like if you're to if, if you're to say we'll retain salary on these guys we'll trade we'll retain however much salary that you want uh, we want the closest thing to full body that we can get for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves he can be yours for a full season and for contending teams that are kind of cash strapped but still want to make a big push there will be teams that are interested in Patrick Kane and are willing to pay that price Uh, uh, Colorado Avalanche Oh, I think nuts. he could be a good fit there. For Damn example. it! I, I, uh, why did you put that in my mind? I, I hate that. Well, Colorado, they have prospects. Uh, they have first round picks. I'm uh, telling you, he could look good. Final year bargain. No, no, I, I, I think no. Out. It's, it's not that like he's not a good fit. It's just that like, uh, like. Colorado's already it would probably scary. Probably be for here to be fair, but I mean, come on. And, well, and I mean, Colorado has cap do. issues, and they're in the same division. <laughs> yeah. Get whatever you can, even if it's to a division rival. Yeah, I guess and so. Like but... I said, and Patrick Kane. Do you think he'd wave his no move to go to Colorado? I think he. Would. Yeah, he would. But I, think I, I guess I, I, I don't know. I, I guess like even if you retain contracts, I, I feel like it like. Colorado already has some cap issues. But anyways, this is where we're getting yeah, they, The Chicago Black, even if you have to retain like 80% yeah. on Patrick Kane, it's yeah. only for a year. Right. And right. it's the same with Jonathan Taves. You only have to bite the bullet for one season. That's, yeah. that's good news if you're Chicago. Meantime, getting back to Stroman Kubelik. Dominic Kubelik has 116 points in 202 NHL games. 62 of those are goals, and he had a 30-goal campaign. Dylan Strom, as we mentioned many times, former top three pick, had an awful first half, picked it up in the second half, and finished with 48 points in 69 games, 22 goals. He has, uh, as um, in his, I guess, official rookie season, he had uh, 57 points split between Arizona and Chicago. He had some decent years after that, but 
to not even get a seventh for him potentially again that that was the red flag what they're doing with Kublik, yeah. Strom, and Doc like when when you when you're about to say bye bye to uh, two franchise faces and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tate's you're looking at okay who's going to step in and fill their roles Kirby Doc was supposed to be the future number one center gone yeah. Dominic Kubelik top six guy gone Dylan Strome top six guy gone you guessed it who are you going to put in those spots when Kane and Tate's leave yeah who's going to be your number one center Tyler Johnson perhaps I mean, he's a good guy. He's a good foot soldier, but I'll, a number one center at his age. I'll do you one better. It's Connor Bedard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that brings me to my next point: is the Hawks have a plan, but do they really have a plan? Yeah. They're they're, they're trading away Alex DeBrinket that costs money. They're trading away Kirby Doc that's not going to cost nearly as much as Alex DeBrinket, but he's off his entry level contract that costs money. Dominic Kubelik costs money. All of these guys cost money now, and they're getting futures that are going to cost money later. And that's why I can. That's why I pose the question: Are the Hawks losing money? Because they're getting rid of players right now that cost money, and they're focused solely on futures and prospects, not roster players, futures and prospects. And they're just probably going to do in Arizona where. Anyone that can play a position, they're just going to put out there and see what happens. Right. They get Peter Morazic. Why? Colin Delia and Kevin Lankinen, UFAs. They don't have any goalies under contract. Peter Morazic under contract for two years? Who cares if his cap hits too high? We need a guy that can stop pucks and is proven at the NHL level. He'll do the job, and we don't have any expectations. If he does great, then great. We can sell him for futures later. I, it's not a good formula. And you know what? It might it might drive Kane and Taze to the point where they don't talk to the organization for years. It could damage a really good relationship between those two, and that's bad for a fan base. Speaking of the fan base, how many fan how many fans are gonna be alienated or just like that's it, I'm done with this team, I'm done yep. supporting this team, I'm done. D O N E done. Yep. And well, what about Connor Bedard? Even if you take have you learned nothing from Eric Lindros? Right. Do, do you think there's a chance that a future first overall pick is just going to be like, I'm not playing for you guys. You can draft me. Go ahead. I'm going right. to hold out. Yeah, it, sure it's possible. I, 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 it's Just not only for the Kyle Beach stuff, but Taze's reaction to Kyle Beach's stuff after yeah. it became public, and then and we're not even we're not even mentioning the the other sex abuse scandal that Patrick Kane had um, a few yeah. years uh, ago. So uh, that's the other thing that like you know, and so it's like. Yeah, you you do feel bad for the fans, but at the same time, it's like the fans are still like sticking with this team, even after 
this whole Kyle Beach situation is. They literally should have no fans, like none. Like no one should be supportive of the Chicago Blackhawks after that Kyle Beach thing and trying to sweep it under the rug. So, um, so it's like, yeah, you feel bad for the fans, but they've they've made their bet as well because it's like they, you know, I I uh, know someone a fan who was a Chicago Blackhawks fan, but he, he moved and he, uh, he changed teams and he's now a fan and of that, the LA Kings. Probably a lot so, of those fans yeah. that probably a lot of us don't see that right. we're fed up with the team and so, call them then. So yeah, I do understand that. Yeah, it definitely does suck if you're a Chicago Blackhawks fan. But at the same time, yeah, it's just they're, like... They're caught in the crossfire. Yeah. They didn't ask for this. Right. They, they weren't around in 2010 when this happened. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they might have been. They're just cheering for their team, and they're cheering for the I, guys that they love. I, I, I guess my, I guess my point is is that, know. like, I don't really feel bad for anyone in the organization. Not only because... I don't feel bad for the yeah. owner, that's for sure. I don't feel okay. bad for the owner, yes. But, like, I also don't really feel bad for them as a franchise, because they, they have three Stanley Cups, like... They are like that's more than a lot of teams already have. So that's like, um, I just I yeah. just hate to see uh, front office people waste talent. Yeah, and no, no, that's I totally don't fair. think a lot. I think a lot of this isn't Kyle Davidson driven. Right. I think he's being told oh, by someone I, to. Well, now you're get getting whatever he can. For now, now you're getting conspiracy theory. I don't know if that's yeah. necessarily true. But I mean, it, it, we'll just, see. it just gives it just gives me that vibe. Just the way it was done, okay. the way it feels rushed. Fair. It ju- so. it doesn't feel like yep. what a typical team would do. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Duncan Keith is retiring, um, <clears throat> and that uh, cap recapture is going to Chicago. By the way, yep. five million this year, one point something the next. Right. Uh, and the Blackhawks also ended up getting Peter Mrazek. Um, as well, and they ended up, uh, the Blackhawks ended up also getting a first round pick from Toronto as well with that move as well. So that's, I guess that, that's not a bad one, um, but uh, uh, Peter Morazic might be done for, so we'll see. Um, okay, now we have to we have to move on. We've we spent like 30 yeah. minutes and we have a lot more to get to. Um, Okay, uh, so we have a few more trades to get to before we talk about some re-signings and drafts stuff. Um, so uh, Tony D'Angelo, he, uh, he goes to the Philadelphia Flyers um, and a seventh round pick for 2022 also goes to the Flyers. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes get a 2022 fourth round pick um, and a 2023 third round pick, which is a conditional pick, which I'll get to in a second, and a 2024 second round pick. Uh, the condition is Carolina will receive the lowest of Philadelphia, Florida, or the Rangers third round picks in the 2023 draft. I guess that's because Philadelphia has Florida and New York's third round picks, I guess. Maybe that's that's why they do it that way, but okay. Um, and yeah, this isn't a bad trade. Um, what what is interesting or two things is one tony d'angelo kind of had a resurgence and he proved that he can play in the nhl um the other thing that it's like philadelphia is now run by jonathan tortorella and uh he's known to be a hard ass about defense and things like that and notoriously uh tony d'angelo he also won't take that from anybody yep exactly and notoriously tony d'angelo has um, issues with pretty much everyone. Uh, so, um, and yeah, I, I was kind of curious 
for the like this one's an interesting trade because it's not like like yeah Tony D'Angelo has his issues but I was thinking like okay Carolina kind of needs Tony D'Angelo because it's like what defense is Carolina gonna have now uh, to take over they don't have Dougie Hamilton anymore that was like a big reason why they even got TDA in the first place is that they don't really have a defenseman uh, that can handle uh, what what Dougie Hamilton was able to do and what Tony Angelo is, is able to do now. It's like maybe Jacob Slavin, maybe Brady Shea, but like those guys are more defensive-minded defensemen. So it does make me wonder if maybe they are going to sign someone um, in free agency and get a defenseman um, who it has less of a um, like a reputation than uh, TDA does. Um, so I, I find that interesting from Carolina's perspective. Um, and then, yeah, I don't really like the Flyers. It is kind of interesting for, for uh, Philadelphia as well. I mean, obviously they're, they're, they still think that they're, they're going to make it and stuff. And I could see it maybe like working out for them. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it's going to be an odd mash with, um, with, with Ports. Yeah. Um, I think Carolina wins this deal for a couple of reasons. First of all, they take Tony D'Angelo on an absolute bargain contract. And, yes, there is a lot of baggage, but they're willing to take that on. And he puts up 51 points in 64 games, 10 points in 14 playoff games. And after that, they basically just ask, hey, you can test around the market, see what teams might be interested in you, and then if something fits, we can make a deal. And I think right then and there, that is kind of a – red flag that they weren't willing to commit to D'Angelo and they might have someone in mind like I don't know John Klingberg who is probably hands down the best defenseman on the market now and I think he would be a solid fit in Carolina as opposed to Tony D'Angelo in Philly where you've already got Ristolainen as a defensive liability it just puts more pressure on Ryan Ellis to be that stalwart of defenseman that they were expecting him to be. Unfortunately, as we all know, injuries got in the way of that his first year. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm interested to see how D'Angelo meshes with Tortorella's personality. That, that'll that be must-see TV throughout the season. Everyone's going to be watching for that. Yep. Um, but, yeah, Carolina gets cap space to do whatever the heck they want. Uh, well, I guess not much cap space, but not signing D'Angelo allows them to go out and get that cap space because they already have uh, some money potentially coming off the books with the with the free agents, depending on who they want to keep or let go. Um, and now they can afford John Klingberg, and they have a spot for John Klingberg to get that long-term number one defense role that he wants. Hmm. And uh, they have the offensive talent to complement it, and they also have the defensive talent to to back up the offensive defenseman. You look at Dougie Hamilton, and yes, I think he could have some good years in New Jersey, but you look at how New Jersey's defense was exposed, it kind of limited what their offensive defenseman could do. You look at Dougie Hamilton's best seasons in Carolina, and then you look at Tony D'Angelo bouncing back with a plus 30 rating. That's what happens when you have Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesce on your team. 
And I think uh, someone like John Klingberg can go in there and light it up and have that type of success. So I definitely think there's something bigger at play. And the fact that the Hurricanes get a second, a third, and a fourth for a restrictive free agent that they only had for a year on a bargain contract and put up a lot of points for them, that's good asset management by the Carolina Hurricanes right there. I, I love the fact that they can potentially reap the rewards of this trade beyond this offseason. Let's say uh, Carolina doesn't have John Klingberg. Do you still like this trade? I do because I think Carolina is going to find a way to win anyway. Like yep. we, we all thought heading into this season that Carolina was going to take a step back, and we were wrong. They won yep. the division. But that and, doesn't mean, um, yeah. It, it, it could be someone from within that steps up, like Brady Shea, who yep, probably did, uh, who probably wasn't able to flourish the past couple of years because you had the likes of a Dougie Hamilton and Tony D'Angelo. He put up a pretty good uh, first impression with the Rangers there. Who says he can't do it again with Carolina? Yep. So I, I think they have a backup plan in mind if someone like Klingberg doesn't work out. Yeah, or maybe like P.K. Subban. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. But you're totally right. Like, I'm just looking at the list if of free agents. that one year, two million, yeah. I'd be worth looking into that. But yeah, yeah, the yeah. last couple of years no, are no, very concerning. No, no, or, I, you could take, uh, or you could take a big gamble and maybe put Brendan Smith on the blue line and, hey, maybe yeah. he'll get 40 points. Justin, yeah, I'm just looking <laughs> at like – but, yeah, you're totally right. I'm just looking at like who is on the market right now. And yeah, you're totally right. The like, defense market is very thin. Yeah, very thin. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, maybe you get like uh, Justin Schultz. Maybe he has something left, but he didn't really have a great season this past year. Um, but yeah, it There's does. There's also seem like, word yeah. that uh, Colorado could shop like. Well, it, it was something last year, but it could resurface again this yep. year because of the cap situation that Colorado is dealing with. It Sam Gerard to Carolina. Oh, that would be interesting. I could see it happening. Yeah, um, although that would have to be a trade. Um, that and, would have to be a trade, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two, uh, I, for, I forgot to mention that Tony D'Angelo signed for two years for $5 million, so that's that's an interesting uh, signing there. Um, okay, uh, we have to get going, though. But, yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things that I think I, I kind of disagree with you just because it's like I don't know what Carolina was doing, but... Like, I also understand that maybe there is, like, a personality thing that's just, like, okay, I, get, I guess you get a lot for, for Tony D'Angelo. But now Carolina needs to figure out what they're going to do with the defensemen. And I, I do like Brady Shea. I do like Jacob Slavin. I just don't think they're offensive defensemen. So it's just, like, what? No, they're not. So, uh, well, that, particularly yeah. Slavin, maybe yeah. Shea, but Slavin, no. He's, yeah, Slavin's not. Uh, All-around defenseman that can get you 30 to 35 points, right. and he's still so, like that. Yeah, exactly. So I so that that's where I'm more like, okay, if if you are right that they do get John Klingberg or they figure something out from the defensive side of things, then yes, I will agree with you. But um but yeah, I, I don't know if that necessarily like it, it's still like an odd move, I feel like. All right. Uh the other stuff, other trades. Uh there's a few goalie signing uh, goalie trades that happen now. Uh Billy Huso uh, gets traded from St. Louis um, to uh, fr- to Detroit. Um, 
They used to be divisional rivals, but not anymore. Yeah, that's right. Uh, for a 2022 third-round pick, which I thought was kind of surprising because, like, Bowie Huso, if he was a free agent, I mean, I know that he would be an RFA anyways, but if he was, you know, he probably would be worth no, more than... No, he is. He would have hit the open market, yeah. Oh, he would have so they he got his signing rights. Okay, so, like, you get a third-round pick for someone, like, Bowie Huso would be, like, making a lot of money if he hit the open market, but... So I, I don't know if like a third round pick made the most sense, but I, that's neither here nor there. Because uh, he's going to Detroit. Um, yeah, it's interesting because like I think we f- kind of figured that if Huso was going to sign with St. Louis, maybe he feel like he likes being in a tandem, and then if he was going to go elsewhere, it would be because he gets a starter role or or something like that. Uh, Nadelkovich did not have a great year this past year, and. They may end up doing a 1A, 1B situation, but I would gather that Huso is going to be the starter there. Um, and in which case, Yeiserman is a genius, if you didn't already know. It's just like, how did he, he just, he ended up trading a third round pick for his eventual starter. And of course, like, we don't know how Huso is going to be as a starter. So it's like, you know, and, that, and we don't know how, what, Detroit really truthfully sees Huso as being, but like, yeah, if you can get a starter out of a third round pick, um, yeah, I think that that's worth it. Yeah, I, 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 for the most part, at the very least, it, it sparks a level of compete yep. with Alex Nadelkovich. And let's face facts uh, Alex Nadelkovich faced way too many shots. Yep. Um, Detroit's going to need to upgrade its defense, sure. and I think this helps take the pressure off. And I think in today's NHL, we're learning more and more. The less you lean on your number one goalie, the better for the long run. You look at you know uh, load management True. Uh, with uh, Frederick Anderson uh, at at some points, and uh, the the same I, I guess could be said uh, with Jack Campbell, um, even though. Um, the backup, it was a game of musical chairs a little bit in Toronto with injuries and inconsistencies. Um, and we've seen it with the Islanders, uh, with Varlamov uh, and Sorokin as well. Yep. Uh, we're, we're managing uh, the minutes uh, can go a long way. And we've seen it with the regression of, of Price and Holby, what happens when, oh, over time, if you play a goalie too much, it can catch up with them uh, later on in their careers. Um, so... Uh, I, I think it's a it's a wise play. I like the term. I like the cap hit for Detroit as well. Um, as to who becomes the better goalie, hopefully both can be yep. a solid tandem, and uh, the Red Wings uh, can get back to playoff relevancy. But uh, I, I, if if you're the Detroit Red Wings, you're getting one of the best goalies available, and all you had to give up was a third round pick. It's it's definitely worth the gamble. Uh, the only concern is whether or not Huso can replicate his one good season because right. that's what they're signing him on. They're signing him on this year's numbers alone. Yeah. Well, if that's... he can live up to that, great. But if he can't, well, that's $4.75 million per season that you're paying to a guy that had one good season and there's a lot of question marks after that. That's a higher cap hit than Marazic in Toronto. Yeah. To be fair, that's kind of what Before they... Before they traded him away. Yeah. To be fair, that's kind of what they did for Nadelkovich last year, too. It's like, you know, Nadelkovich only had one good year, too. And 
and they sign him. So they're just hoping that, like, okay, maybe it's just Nadalkovich, and they're just going to yeah. hope that, maybe like... one of these guys... Yeah. Just, like, like, yeah, maybe there's something. But, yeah, you do bring up a good point um, that, like, maybe it's just the defense and it's not Nadalkovich's fault necessarily. So, I mean, yeah, if you put in Huso in and he's incredible, then it's like, okay, well, maybe it is Nid and Nadalkovich isn't good. Um, then yeah, maybe you're right on and you know, on to something, but we'll see. It should um, be noted, yeah. by the way, um, in terms of defensemen, uh, Ole Ulevi and uh, Jake Wallman are arbitration eligible RFAs. Yeah. Danny DeKaiser and Mark Stahl, their contracts are up, so that frees up cap space for the Red Wings to still go out there and uh, get some things done. You also have Thomas Grice's uh, cap hit coming off the books as well. Um, so. Yeah. So Detroit still has flexibility to improve elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, defensively, they're going to need to do some things. The The current defense is Philip Peronik, Jordan Osterle, of course, Moritz Sider, who played too much, I would argue, as a rookie, Gustav Lindstrom, and Steven Camper. Those are the guys they have under contract right now. Yeah, according to Cap Friendly, they have $31 million in cap space left. So that's... Yeah. That's not bad. And also, they have uh, Simon Edvidson, um in the rings. So, yep. so he, he might be ready now. We'll, we'll see. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that is interesting. I, I think you I, – I forget if you actually mentioned it. I know you talked about his contract, but just in case, uh, he's uh, signed for $4.75 million for three years. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Vanacek also goes – to New Jersey, um, it was like it happened like within the hour. Uh, he's an RFA. He hasn't signed yet with New Jersey. Um, the uh, New Jersey ends up getting a 2022 second round pick, uh, Seamus Casey. Uh, the Capitals also get the 2022 second round pick, so they exchange picks basically. Um, although wait, I guess the uh, the Devils second round pick or the Capitals pick that. Uh, went to New Jersey, wasn't Washington's, it was Winnipeg's, um, interestingly enough. Um, and uh, Washington also gets a third round pick. Um, so that that's cool. And also what's interesting is the Devils drafted Seamus Casey and the Capitals drafted Ryan Chesley. They're both teammates on the US NDTP uh, team. So it's, it's just a weird coincidence like that. But um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, this one is uh, another one. I guess, like, you know, the, the biggest hindrance for the New Jersey Devils this past year was the fact that their goaltenders stunk and um, or were injured. Uh, Blackwood, when he was healthy, there was, like, he, there was that concern at the beginning of the year of if he was going to get vaccinated, and he eventually did get vaccinated, but then, like, he started to get injured. So I'm going to call this like a down year for him i i think he'll he'll bounce back but either way i think he'll be helped a lot by the fact that he's getting like this uh, of itech vanacek because it's like yeah this is a probably a sign that like the devils don't trust blackwood like they once did but on the other hand like you know as we mentioned before with with um Huso, um, this is what teams are doing now. There, there, there's very few starting goaltenders in this league and are just like that are only on one team. Um, like it's very much a tandem goalie league. 
um, where you you know you, you start less games and stuff. So this could in the end work out for Blackwood where he's just less fatigued and less relied upon and all that stuff. And yeah, Vanacek could be pretty good for the Devils as well. We'll see. Um, also, this is interesting too because this is like an inner division trade as well. So Vanacek may end up playing against the Washington Capitals um, if this works out for them. There's also uh, something interesting that crossed my mind is the Devils have a lot of cap space, so they could theoretically maybe go out and get someone like Jack Campbell or Darcy Kemper oh, yeah. on the open market and uh, ship off Blackwood because the oh, thing yeah. is, uh, I think we've uh, already said it before, the goalie market is very thin, just a reminder. Right. Uh, and for anyone that doesn't really get one of Jack Campbell or Darcy Kemper, you're either going for a short-term option and rolling the dice with a guy like, I don't know, Martin Jones, uh, something to that effect, or Kevin Lankinen, yep. or <laughs> whoever else, or you have to trade for a goalie. And that is where teams like Ottawa with Matt Murray, uh, New Jersey Devils with Mackenzie Blackwood, if they do get one of Kemper or... Uh, Jack Campbell on the open market, uh, then that likely means uh, Blackwood's out of there. Then teams have no choice but to go to those teams. It's just like, yeah, um, we kind of need goalie help. Would you be willing to part with this guy? We'll, yeah. uh, we'll give you a decent return. So um, I don't think it necessarily um, limits um, the potential return value for Blackwood if they signed one of Campbell or Kemper in the open market. Even if people know that they are probably getting rid of Blackwood, uh, other teams that are cash-strapped, like Edmonton, like Toronto, uh, to, to name a couple, um, and I'm sure there are others around, will be going to those teams that are just like, well, we have no other choice. We don't know if our AHL guy is ready to, to take this leap or if our backup could fill that spot. Uh, we better go out on the market and see what we can find via trade. Um, so there's that, and also the fact that uh, Washington is moving on from Banachek. It either is A, Samsonov's the guy, or they think Samsonov's the guy, but uh, they would like a plan B in place. So maybe Washington shows up, and they're in the market for a guy like Jack Campbell or Darcy Kemper, yeah, too. Sure. Um, so this is a very interesting trade. I'm interested to see if, if there's more to this one. Because yeah. the Devils also have Nico Dodds in their farm system as well. And yeah, he played pretty well towards the end of that. Uh, the, you could uh, argue Nico Dodds is their best goalie. Right, yeah. <laughs> and Which that's is, saying something because uh, yeah. no one really shined in New Jersey. Like you said, they iced seven goalies and yeah. uh, they all struggled at various points. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still have faith that Blackwood's going to make it. But yeah, maybe you're right that maybe they end up going, like trading Blackwood somewhere else and they're just like they've given up faith on like they they have less faith than i do in blackwood and, we'll and plus like you look at new jersey they've been yep. kind of bad for a couple of years right. i feel like there's pressure for them to improve yeah so maybe they're tired of waiting on blackwood yeah. and i mean they have to make a move. right and you can make a case that they were like you know they were actually pretty good it's just like their goaltending was an issue their defense was an yeah. issue so it's just like, okay, maybe if they make a couple of moves and they end up, um, you, you know, just just figuring it out, out 
from the uh, defensive side of things with the goaltender, then yeah, the, they could be well on their way to, to making the playoffs at the very least. Um, okay. Um, and then lastly, we have uh, uh, Alexander Gorgiev goes to um, Colorado. Um, and, like This is another goalie trade. Um, for a 2022 third round pick and a 2022 fifth round pick and a 2023 third round pick. Um, so you alluded to this before, but, um, um, and we, the reason why I'm including this is that uh, Gorgiev, according to Friedman, it's not on cap friendly just yet, but I would, if Friedman says it, then I assume it's about to be official or it is official. Uh, but Gorgiev signs uh, 3.4 million for three years um and yeah you alluded to this too that like Kemper is probably on the market or definitely on the market um and this is another reason to do that just because Gorgiev is now in Colorado this is an interesting one because like Gorgiev didn't really play all that often in um New York this past year uh just just because uh Shashurkin was so good um and um yeah so it's, it's just like interesting that like now he, he i mean i guess the the avalanche still have frank coast in the in the system so it may just be like a tandem type thing um and um and we'll see where kemper ends up going on the open market uh but yeah i, I am kind of curious to see how he does in a, on a new team um and things like that it's also funny that uh tda and gorgiev um are were traded within like a day of each other <laughs> yeah uh here's the thing with alex georgiev uh the fact that the rangers got a third of in 2022 a fifth in 2022 and a third in 2023 for a backup that in front of the same defense didn't ne do nearly as good as shishurkin did who is clearly not the guy in the, with the rangers anymore because shishurkin clearly cemented himself as that guy and the New York Rangers still got three futures for a backup that it was probably known they were going to part ways with anyway. That's pretty good asset management on uh, Chris Drury's part, so I commend him for that. Even though there's no first involved, that's a decent return, and if the Rangers play their cards right development-wise, could turn out to be a good move. For Colorado, it's a good bargain because Georgiev's under contract at a decent cap hit for the next three years. That's going to be huge when they give McKinnon his big boy contract uh, within the next 12 months, because you know what's coming. Yep. He's, he's going to stay in Colorado. It's just a matter of how much money he signs for. And if you look at their defense, if you look at a guy like Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francis and the numbers that they've put up, I think Alex Georgiev can be a 31 goalie on the Colorado Avalanche for the next three years. I think he could average 30 wins a season. I honestly think so. Um, I I think Colorado's got the more experienced defenseman. It's better well-rounded than the Rangers' uh, defense core is right now. And uh, I think that will help uh, Georgiev thrive. It'll also help that Colorado's offense is pretty damn good. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it'll be a nice fit uh, for your give and the ass. So it's a, it's a win-win for both sides, I'd say. For sure. 
All right, so now we uh, there were other trades that happened, but we're, we're we'll eventually yeah, cover them. We'll, I'm sure. we'll mention any other trades. We'll probably mention them periodically uh, during yeah. the off season. Uh, it's just they weren't during no. our uh, during our season previews. We can mention right. the additions and subtractions, but those are the most notable ones. Now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, the ones that like we don't really think are going to make the hugest impact um, next season. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Philip Forsberg. Uh, so now we go to resignings. I have three, and uh, that's the same deal. Like, uh, for for these resignings, these are like the most notable ones. But um, of course, there were other signings as well. Um, Philip Forsberg uh, finally resigns with Nashville. Um, it's an eight-year, eight-point-five million uh, deal. Um, this was kind of surprising because there were like rumors for the last couple of uh, years it felt like that uh, Forsberg wasn't going to sign with um, Nashville and th that uh, they were going to trade him um, just because like you know for they were um, Nashville was looking like they were going to rebuild but um, and, and maybe that is what they should be doing they should have done um, but at the same time Forsberg had 84 points in 69 games, a uh, career year this year. Um, and, um, yeah, he's very, very good. Um, and he's by far their best forward. Um, I guess the only concern, though, is that they're also paying Matt Duchesne $8 million and and Ryan Johansson $8 million, Michael Granlin for $5 million, um, all of those guys for at least three years, Matt Duchesne for four. Um, so it's like, like, yeah, Philip Forsberg's the one that you have to pay him that much. And, and yes, uh, Duchesne and Johansson and Granlin, they all had bounce back years this season, but at the same token, it's just like, you're paying four, four, uh, four guys this much money. Um, and they're all like, not young. Um, I mean, Forsberg is 27, Duchesne's 31, and uh, Johansson's 29, surprisingly, and Granlin's 30. But like, um, if you have a lot of money, like learning from the cat uh, from the Leafs, like if you're you're tying up a lot of money to four guys, you're not going to be successful. So, um, so that 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 just feels a little bit strange. Um, oh, and I didn't even mention that Roman Yossi also is making nine million. Although that one makes sense because he, he's Roman Yossi and he had a, an amazing year. They also end up getting Ryan McDonough. So um, and they also have uh, UC Saros for five million as well for three years. So like their cap situation is going to be kind of messed up for a little bit. But um, yeah, it's I don't know it, this one. Uh, feels a little strange to me, but um, but at the same time, I can't say that uh, Forsberg doesn't deserve that much money. The one thing uh, that uh, I will say, and by the way, they uh, traded Luke Coonan uh, to the Sharks, yeah. which arguably was a sign that okay, they're making cap space for potentially resigning Forsberg or doing something else. Right. So that was kind of uh, the red flag that something might happen, and uh, it did. Or, yeah. Or. Not a red flag, if that's a warning sign. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that yeah. was definitely a hint green that flag. something was going to happen. So. Green flag, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> red light, green light. Yeah. Um, now, Matias Ekholm, the good news is he doesn't have a no-trade clause or no-move clause. Ryan McDonough, who they just got from uh, Tampa, has no-trade clause. 
Uh, Roman Yossi has a full no-move clause. Uh, Matt Duchesne has one more year left of a no-trade clause uh, with no no-trade protection. Uh, then the final three years, 17 no-trade lists, so you're not really strapped if you have to move him. Uh, Ryan Johansson does not have a no-trade clause anywhere in his deal, which is good. Uh, Mikhail Granlund does not uh, have any no-trade protection either. Same with UC Saros. So while they are paying a lot of guys uh, big money contracts, at least they're not restricted as to what they can do with most of them. The only contracts they have to worry about in that regard are McDonough and Yossi, and now Philip Forsberg, who uh, they gave a no move for uh, the first six years, uh, and uh, 15 team no trade list stuff for the final two. Philip Forsberg, his cap hit is 8.5 million, but he's making 10 million in each of the first four seasons. Uh, then he's got some signing bonuses coming his way starting in year five all the way to year eight. So three million signing bonus uh, for years five, six, seven, and eight. His cap pick goes down to 7.5 million in year five, then it's seven million in year six and year seven, and in year eight it's 6.5 million. But the first four years are the biggest thing, $10 million per year. That's a lot of cap hit for a team that's expected to win now. So for the time being, with this team expected to win now, um, it could cause some problems as to who they can keep and who they can add. And the danger is for Nashville, already as it stands, as their roster is constructed, they're a first-round exit. Because they're in a pretty stacked division. They leaned a lot on UC Saros. Hopefully, Magna can help lessen the amount of shots that he faces, but no guarantees on that. I don't really know how much better Nashville can get, even with Forsberg on the roster. Even without him on the roster, I don't know how much better they can be. But at the very least, by signing him, they... For the time, he's 27 years old, so when this deal ends, he's 35. That's not terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, so they've got a lot of prime years of Philip Forsberg ahead. He's coming off a career season, which definitely helps. 32 goals, love to see that. 84 points, love to see that. So while I hope that the best is yet to come, if it's not, it could be a contract uh, that uh, becomes an anchor for the Predators, just based on what they're doing moving forward. So... Um, I, I, they're hoping that they'll still have a couple more chances to at least contend for the Stanley Cup with this core. I don't know how much time they have left. Uh, I don't even know if in a couple of years uh, if this team will have to rebuild. Um, and if they do, that's going to pose a big problem with, with the contract. So there's risk with this contract based on whether or not Forsberg can live up to this uh, big year that he had and how this roster shakes up, how this roster fares over the next couple of seasons. That's ultimately going to determine if this was a win or a loss uh, for Nashville and uh, perhaps the start of the end of David Poyle's managerial career. Who really knows? But um, Yeah, there, there's, there's high risk, high reward here. I'll say that. Uh, it's, it's one of those contracts. Yeah, I, I think the thing that's interesting here is that, like, you know, last year it's 
seemed like from what Poyle was saying is that they're going to verge more towards the rebuild direction. And then this year it's like, like, yeah, they probably didn't expect that Yossi and Forsberg and would have a career year. And yeah, uh, everyone yeah. had career seasons, yeah. like and, the big and, name yeah. players and, they need that career yeah. seasons did. So, so like, yeah, you probably don't expect like those, like, um, like that the season that they had or the fact that like Duchesne bounced back or the fact that um Johansson bounced back so I totally get Grand it from that Granlin's another one yeah but um Janot emerged as well he had a another years. one yeah but so so I totally get it I, I guess I'm just confused because it's just it feels like oh I thought like they were rebuilding instead of not but I mean I guess at the same time it's like they're doing the reverse of what Chicago is doing uh, where they made, like last year, Chicago made these moves to make the playoffs maybe, and then um, and then this year they're clearly rebuilding, where it's like it's the opposite for Nashville. But, um, but yeah, I, I think the difference is that Poyle knows what he's doing. Um, and I, I was worried, though, initially when Arvidsson got traded because yeah. everyone saw the Phil Forsberg's reaction. Right, right, right. And uh, then too. his uh, Instagram post that he was in Ottawa about a month ago was just like, oh, is he looking at Ottawa as a potential land right, spot because right. they have the money that he probably was looking for. Um, so the fact that he's still willing to stay in Nashville and commit long term is definitely a sign that he believes yep. in this group. He wants to win with this group, and that, and that's all fine and dandy. Uh, it also probably would have hurt David Poyle's image even more if they rolled the dice with Philip Forsberg, keeping him beyond the trade deadline and losing him for nothing. Yep. Because that that was a risk. Uh, that was that was fifty fifty possibility. Yeah. No, like, no, Forsberg so could have easily hit the open market, and he and he could be gone. Yeah. But he chose to commit. Yep. Uh, uh, we have another head scratcher contract here. Um, even yeah, more of a head scratcher. This, <laughs> yeah. this is a big one. Yeah, even more of a head scratcher than Phil Forsberg. Uh, Chris Letang, uh, he signs with Pittsburgh, resigns um, uh, for six years, six point one million. Um, Letang, uh, to be fair to his credit, he did have a sixty-eight point season with in seventy-eight games, which isn't bad. However, he's thirty-four years old. That means that by 36. the end. Of- is he 30? Oh, I have here that he's 34. 36. 35. 35. Cros- Crosby is currently 34, going on 35. I have here that Chris... But, uh, Chris I have Latang. It's 30... 35, not 36. Okay, sorry, 35. I mean, he will be 36 30. next April. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but still, like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter if it's he's 35 or 36. Still, uh, you're... That, that means that by the end of this contract, he's going to be 39 years old. Um, and 30, no. 40, 40, 40. Not 41. 41. 41. 41. <laughs> right, 41. I can't do math, apparently. They also gave him a no move for the first four years, by the way. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Uh, so, so yeah, to, to his credit, Chris Letang did have a great year this year. Um, it's just odd because you're giving a lot of term to Latang. He's a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. Even if he retires today, uh, he's a future Hall of Famer. Um, it's just so strange to to make this much money for uh, to like give this guy a contract like that um, when you're making when you're 35 years old. Um, 
However, um, and I, I think there was a report already that like Malkin is on his way out, like he's he's not resigning. So that like, and we kind of talked about this in the Penguins obituary that like if like you know there there can't be like Malkin and Latang are not like you you can't have both like one of them is leaving, um, and it appears that Malkin's the one to go. Um, so that's not super surprising. Um, it's just um, the the contract is a little bit strained, and as you were mentioning, like the no movement clause. Um, so it's like this, like it's very, and also not to mention the fact that like Chris Latang gets injured very often. Um, I don't yeah. I don't think he uh, he's played a full season in his career. Yeah, he hasn't played a full season in his career. Um, no, even in the short. 2011, he played all 82 games. In 2010, 11, he uh, played all 82. Okay. I must have but that's that the only time it's happened. Yeah, yeah. In his sixteen-year uh, career, so um, yeah, it's um, it's strange, um, and especially since like Duncan Keith just retired, it's just like shouldn't teams learn to not give long-term contracts to like old players like this? It's just like you know, like that—that's the thing that we learned. Like it, it's weird that it happened at the time, but like shouldn't like teams learn that like you shouldn't do this? Um, so this that part just uh, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and um, it's very possible that he ends up not like living up to the six million. Uh, in fact, very very likely. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just um, yeah, it's a strange deal. I I don't really understand it. It should also be noted that uh, regression hasn't hit him yet, like it has someone like Duncan Keith, mm-hmm. and it's gonna happen. At some point, it will. And now you're knee-deep into a six-year deal. And within the next two to three years, as the core ages, as Crosby ages, uh, you look at guys like Jason Zucker as well, um, who's uh, kind of regressing offensively a little bit. I don't know where Pittsburgh's going to be in two to three years. So if... At some point down the line, they're going to rebuild. You're giving Chris Letang that much money and a no move for the next four years. It kind of handcuffs you as to as to what you can do to to kind of improve your roster. And this was also a team that has a lot of cap space, where they where where they have the options to kind of go out and fill those needs. Instead, they're committing to a 35 year old defenseman on a six year deal. With, again, I'll say a no-move clause for the first four years. By the way, John Klingberg was available. They could have signed John Klingberg, a guy who's basically a younger version of Chris Letang, a much younger version. Instead, they're giving him some nice retirement money. Thank you for your service. You're a lifelong penguin. You can retire with us happily. And you know what? I love loyalty. I really, really do. But on the opportunity where they could have extended their window and they had the cap space to do it, I really don't know if this was the wisest move. And it could be the most controversial of the offseason. Unless, yeah. I don't know, Johnny Gaudreau gets like $11 million. But Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. It's, it's, it's a risky play. It's, it's a very risky play. Yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Goudreau is probably going to get a lot of money, uh, like at least $10 million. Um, 
to your Klingberg point, there is a report that he wants eight years uh, by eight million. And yes, Klingberg is younger than Latang. I, I wouldn't do that either. So um, I, I I think I would like you, even still like yeah. If if Latang was like you know I, I I don't know if I necessarily would commit long term to John Klingberg, but I, I would imagine a team's going to do that. Um, so. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's like, you know, and, and especially considering like eight by eight is a lot larger than six by six. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I don't know if that would necessarily happen, but you do have a point. Uh, Penguins have 15 million in cap space left. Um, they do have Kasperi Kapanen, uh, Danton Ayan, who are RFAs, so they, they can manage with that. Uh, Malkin, I assume, is gone. Raquel, I assume, is also gone. And Evan Rodriguez, who did have a pretty nice season, but uh, he's a UFA as well. Um, so, like, you know, maybe they they managed to sign someone cheaper for all those guys, but um, I just mentioned. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, okay. Uh, the other thing that we wanted to mention... Um, Oh, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Latang's former teammate. Uh, he signs with Minnesota for two years, $3.5 million. Um, yeah, this is, this is an interesting deal just simply because the Wild... Well, first off, Fleury didn't really have a great season with, um, with Minnesota when he was there. Um, but of course, I think I would assume he'd rather be in Minnesota than in Chicago, where he was formerly. Um, so I, yeah, I, I mean, like his yeah. goals against average and his save percentage in Minnesota yeah. were still better than they were in Chicago. Right, right. But even still, like he had a nine ten save percentage and a GAA of two point seven four. That's I, I guess that's not terrible. Yeah, but it wasn't terrific. You're, yeah, you're not wrong. It wasn't terrific. But um, but yeah. Th- so it's interesting in two ways. One, um. Cam Talbot, uh, he's still there um, and with one more year left. Apparently there's a disagreement with him and Bill Guerin, and Guerin's just like saying like, oh, Talbot's being a baby, you know, in so many words. I think uh, I think it's more so Cam Talbot's agent and Bill Guerin, because yeah. uh, Fleury has talked with Talbot, and, and, and Talbot uh, seems pretty cool with it. But uh, Cam Talbot also wants uh, and also feels that he can be the guy, and yeah. he feels that he he knows he can be the guy. Right. And maybe, like, it's it's not like he can't stay in Marc-Andre Fleury or he's not going to share the net with Marc-Andre right, right. Fleury, but he just wants to go to a place where he's wanted. And the fact that a guy in his late 30s, even though it's Marc-Andre Fleury, he's very accomplished, he's, like, top 10 and wins, something like that, and he's won three cups... Uh, in his NHL career and he's established and everyone knows why he's so beloved and he's got a fair bit left in the tank and he can help Minnesota in a lot of ways. When a guy that old comes in and all of a sudden becomes the guy, it, it's easy for Cam Talbot to kind of feel threatened. Right. Um, so there's a little bit of tension and uh, Pierre Lebrun was texting with Cam Talbot's agent and Cam Talbot, uh, his agent said, uh, Billy's got a lot to think about. We've we both made our points. He's got a lot to think about. 
and Bill Karen. Oh, yeah. I love his honesty. He's just yeah, like, yeah. I don't got bleep to do. I love Cam. Cam's on our roster. All we're trying to do is win. And and that's that's Bill Guerin's job. Yep. It, it might rub people the wrong way. It rubs Sewer the wrong way, for sure. It, Parise uh, got bought out by Minnesota in the, in the process, uh, as Ryan Suter did, too. But Bill Guerin is trying to put his team in the best position to win, and the Suter and Parise buyouts are making it very tough to do. So the fact he was able to get Flurry on board at a reduced cap hit, even though they give Flurry a no-move clause, um, at the end of the day, I, I think it's necessary for Minnesota to kind of keep this tandem intact. And if they have to go out and make a trade, then uh, they'll make a trade and they'll they'll put Cam Talbot uh, somewhere else. Uh, and depending on how the goalie market shakes up, there will be teams probably looking at ta- Cam Talbot and uh, asking Billy Guerin, hey, what would it take for us to get ta- uh, Cam Talbot off your hands? And Bill Guerin has been known to get good value for the guys that he trades away too. So um, regardless of how this shakes up for Minnesota, I think uh, I think they're going to be in a pretty good spot and, and they'll be primed uh, to do some damage. I think probably Guerin's biggest concern is Caprizov uh, trying to get back into the United right. States because allegedly uh, that's been a that's been a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other th- yeah, I, I was actually about to get into that too, but. Uh, yeah, the other, just to go off of your point, uh, Talbot is yeah. 35 and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is 37. So it's not like there, there is that much of an It's crazy that Cam Talbot is only two years younger than Fleury. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? Um, so so it, it is crazy. Uh, but, like, yeah, just just because of, like, the goalie, like, uh, scarcity in the market... I wouldn't be shocked to see that Talbot gets traded um, this offseason, and and we'll see that. The other thing I wanted to note before I get into Kaprizov quickly is that um, there's this uh, Minnesota goaltender um, in the wings um, is Jesper Walstead, um, who who they drafted last year. Um, He uh, is signed a three-year deal. Um, and um, so that was my bigger takeaway is that like this is basically a mark for um, Wallstead to take the net in um, in maybe two or three years. Uh, so um, that that was really just like what I was thinking that they were going to start doing. Um, and then yeah. Noted, by the way, if you're curious as to what Jesper Wallstead's numbers were like, uh, he played uh, in the Swedish Hockey League, a league amongst men. He put up a 1.98 GAA, a 9.18 save percentage in 22 games. Not bad. Keep in mind, he's 19 years old. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, Might have a break. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's pretty good. I mean, you never know with goalies. Like, they're the pinnacle of, like, a lottery ticket. But, um, but yeah, yeah I, I think it's, it's uh, like, we were saying the same thing about uh, Sororkin and Shosturkin. So, um, so yeah, it, it, odds on and, are pr- pretty good that uh, that Wallstead's going to be pretty good too. And and I think the fact that uh, they have this tandem for at least this season, maybe yeah. next as well, yeah, uh, buys Wallstead time to develop properly. True. Um, because 
It should be noted, by the way, Capo Kakinen, they traded him away to oh, San yeah. Jose at the deadline, if you remember correct. So they don't even have him in the system anymore. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll get into the Kaprizov stuff while we're talking about Minnesota. Um, yeah, so he was denied entry into U.S. I don't, I don't think we talked about this last week, but last week, no. um, Fedotov, um, Ivan Fedotov, I think is his first name. Um, he, uh, he's a Flyers prospect goalie. Um, he, tr- uh, he was going to, he was leaving Russia, um, but Russia detained him and arrested him, uh, because he was trying to evade going to the military. I guess there is a rule in Russia that you, uh, have to serve some time in the military, um, for whatever reason. Um, and, um, and now there's a report that Kaprizov is not in the country. Um, it could get a little bit more hectic. Um, I don't know if you Canadians have been paying attention, but there is uh, Brittany Griner, who's one of the best WNBA uh, players. Um, she's mm-hmm. um, She's been detained in Russia for like ever since this Ukraine situation has happened. Um, and uh, because like she uh, was like caught sneaking like hashish oil um in jail or something but like she's now basically being a hostage um in russia and uh yeah so and like russia's like using Brittany griner as like a uh as a bargaining chip for the u.s because u.s is holding sanctions on russia it's a whole big thing obviously um because they're in the war but um yeah, it's like, so we still don't know anything really what's going on. What was interesting though is they asked Billy Garen um, during the draft on like, what's the latest on Kaprizov? And Garen said, like, I can't talk about this, literally. I can't talk about this for like, uh, like he doesn't want to um, share anything. So, um, so yeah, it, there, it's a very real possibility that Kaprizov um, is going to be uh, held in Russia um, uh, for the whole season or for a lot of the, the time there. But, um, yeah, if that happens, then yeah, Minnesota, I'd be curious to see how Minnesota handles without their star player. Yeah. I, I mean, the NHL is probably going to allow them to yeah. put on L- LTIR because right. like, yeah, that's, that's situation to. beyond your control, right? Like, beyond hockey. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't even think I, of that. It, it, yeah. You know, like, like it, 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 I'm not saying it could become a life or death situation, but just given the climate, yeah. you, you're I mean, just hoping for the death. best, but also preparing for the worst, because you yeah. don't know what the heck's going to happen. I mean, it, it, we're, like, there's a literal war going on, so, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not just life and death, but or it is yeah, life we, and death. Yeah, we call it a war, the Russian government won't, but... Yeah, so, exactly. We'll, yeah, we'll call we it a war. I'm, I'm not afraid. Yeah. Um, yeah. maybe I should be actually, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get canceled in Russia yeah. and we'll lose like, yeah. I don't we'll, know, like viewers or something. Do you think we actually have any we'll Russian fine. listeners? If you're in Russia right now, uh, and listening to us, please let us know. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't know. If we're we also, it. we're also sorry that, uh, you have to go through this right now. Like I can't even imagine what it's like to, to live yeah, there exactly. and also Ukraine. And Ukraine has it yeah. much worse. Even, even, yeah, even worse. Yeah. Very, um, very tense climate that's, that's yeah. bigger than anything else. Anyways, before we say something even more stupid, 
Uh, yeah, before, before we get canceled in Russia, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's let's uh, let's, let's move on. Get back to talking. But Aussie yeah, I mean, we we just hope that everything gets sorted out and um, and everything's fine. But 